Good Friday morning. Chaos and confusion at the border. We'll go one-on-one with the Secretary of Homeland Security just ahead. It is May 12th. This is today. Bursting borders, a major immigration restriction lifted at the stroke of midnight. Tens of thousands ready to cross into the U.S. Federal agents and U.S. troops in place for their arrival. Border Patrol detention facilities filled to the max and already overflowing. I cannot overstate how much of a challenge uh, it is going to be. Breaking overnight, the new ruling from a federal judge blocking a White House plan to deal with the overcrowding. Just ahead, a live report from the southern border and our live interview with the head of Homeland Security. Breaking overnight after a week of protests, the former Marine who put a subway rider in that deadly chokehold now being charged with manslaughter will have the very latest. Wild weather. Oh, it just hit something. Oh, no. Oh, a house. Tornadoes tear across the plains. The storm threat on the move this morning. We'll have your full forecast, including what to expect for Mother's Day weekend. Special honor, the four University of Idaho murder victims set to be celebrated and remembered during this weekend's graduation. They worked hard. They studied hard. They deserve to have that work recognized and honored and remembered. What their families are saying about that tribute. Those stories, plus going down. Good news for your next trip to the grocery store. Why the prices on popular items are finally headed in the right direction. Today, Friday, May 12, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Today. It is Friday morning. Feels so good, but we've got overnight developments to tell you about along the southern border. Yeah, here's a look at just one of the locations. Migrants are headed into the United States this morning. It comes after Title 42 expired at midnight. This was the restriction used during the pandemic to quickly turn away migrants, citing health concerns. Well, NBC News has confirmed the first group made the crossing about 90 minutes after that policy ended last night with as many as 65,000 migrants in northern Mexico waiting to cross. But overnight, a major development, a federal judge in Florida blocking a Biden administration's plan to directly release some, quote, thoroughly vetted migrants into the U.S. with no way to track them. A move designed to speed up the process, but it's been blasted by critics citing safety concerns. Much to discuss with the Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. He's already issued a stern warning telling migrants the border is not open and that those who arrive without using a lawful pathway will be presumed ineligible for asylum. But let's get started at the border. NBC senior national correspondent Tom Yamas in El Paso, Texas for us. Tom, good morning. Hey, Savannah, good morning to you. Look, no one expected the transition from Title 42 to now to be smooth. But what's happening in places like El Paso, where we are this morning, is a mess. You have migrants being processed, then being released, in some cases, without court dates. Cities across the country are fed up because their shelters are full. Look behind me. Here in in El Paso, they are still sleeping on the ground outside of churches. All of this. And now the Biden administration has a new court battle on its hands. Just one more obstacle to face as tens of thousands are still trying to come into the U.S. 
This morning, Title 42 is done, but a part of President Biden's plan to deal with it now on hold. Overnight, a federal judge in Florida temporarily blocking a Biden administration policy aiming to speed up processing that would allow migrants into the country without court dates and with no way to track them. The record number of illegal crossings already taxing cities big and small. There's 3,500 people sitting along that Tijuana border Normally, a normal day is about 200 people. The surge everyone has been expecting is here. DHS officials say more than 11,000 migrants were apprehended Wednesday, trying to enter the country illegally, the highest level ever. In El Paso, many residents are fed up, saying their city has been taken over. And I understand that everybody wants a better future, but... They're taking our taxes, they're taking everything from us. And the issue is not just impacting the border. In Chicago, immigrants are sleeping in a police station. In Denver, it's a parking garage overwhelming this intake center. There's nowhere else for these these refugees to go. In New York City, Mayor Eric Adams, a Democrat, now at war with the suburbs where he's shipping migrants to hotels, blaming the Biden administration for the city running out of shelter space. The national government has turned its back on New York City. Parts of the border seen increased enforcement with more fencing and armed troops, all in an effort to slow the influx. But tens of thousands still making the dangerous journey to the U.S. The desperation clear. One group crossing the Rio Grande this week, bringing a baby held in a suitcase. Under new rules from the Biden administration, immigrants seeking asylum need to do it first in another country, then schedule an appointment on the new app, CBP-1, that some call confusing. If they cross illegally, they could be barred from the U.S. for at least five years. Those new rules are set to begin today as the flow of migrants shows no signs of slowing down. We must seal and secure our border, put back in policies that just make sense and that keep Americans safe. Now, the DHS told me just yesterday they hope this spike will level out, but it's unclear how, because it takes months for these migrants to reach the U.S. In many cases, they are walking, and they're also up against something else. The Biden administration is the misinformation. There are social media posts in Spanish that have been seen millions of times that falsely claim the border is open. There's a lot the administration is up against right now. And Savannah, when you see that child in that suitcase being carried across a river, you see the lengths these migrants are going to. Savannah. All right. Tom Yamas, thank you. Along the southern border, appreciate it. Joining us now from Washington is the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas. Mr. Secretary, good morning to you. Good morning, Savannah. Thank you for having me. Let us not sugarcoat this. Already you have a record number of crossings exceeding your own internal estimates. You have severely overcrowded detention facilities already. The president himself acknowledged this week it's going to be chaotic for a while. That's his word, not mine. My question to you is why? You have had two years to prepare for this. Why is Why do we have this chaos and confusion at the border? Savannah, the answer is uh, very, very clear. We are operating within the constraints of a broken immigration system. There is unanimous agreement about that fact. 
Our system has been broken for more than two decades. It was last reformed in the 1990s. So that is the first point. The second point is we have not received from Congress the resources that we need and that we requested. And so we need our immigration system fixed once and for all, and we need the resources that we have requested. Mr. Now, within those constraints... I was going to say fair enough, but given those undisputed facts that we do have a broken immigration system, why not delay the expiration of Title 42 until you are ready to handle it? Even some Democratic Congress members, such as Vicente Gonzalez from Texas, has suggested let's delay it for a little while and, and get more ready. My answer is is twofold, Savannah. Number one, Title 42 is a public health authority. The public health emergency has ended. We are now using our traditional immigration enforcement authorities, number one. Number two, we have been preparing for this moment for more than a year and a half. I have been very clear that it's going to be challenging, but we do have a plan. We're executing on our plan, and it will take some time for our plan to show results. But we have confidence in that plan because it has worked in the past. Can I just ask you about that? Because one aspect of the plan are these regional processes centers where migrants could go not right at our borders, but be processed. That's the plan, but not one has been built yet. Okay. It's been two years. The original lifting deadline for title 42 is actually a year ago. So why isn't that construction already underway? Why isn't this plan further along when you've known for two years, this is coming? Savannah, um, our president has led the greatest expansion of lawful pathways ever. Let me be clear. We have communicated to the migrants, to individuals who are thinking of taking the journey, that there is a right way to do it that is lawful, safe, and orderly, and there is a wrong way. And the wrong way is in the hands of smugglers. We already have multiple lawful pathways available to individuals. We have demonstrated their success with respect to individuals from Cuba, Haiti, Nicaragua, and Venezuela. We have expanded those lawful pathways. The regional processing centers are an additional pathway that are being built now, and they require the negotiation and the planning with our international partners. So we we are only expanding the lawful pathways. People need to take them because what they are going to encounter at our border is Border Patrol agents who will take them into custody and remove them. We're going to be delivering tougher consequences. Let me ask you about this severe overcrowding we're already seeing in detention facilities. They're overflowing such that you've announced a new policy this week that allows some highly vetted migrants to be released into this country, but with no court date and no way to track them. Now, late yesterday, a federal judge struck that down. What now then? What do you do about this overcrowding? So we we consider that ruling to be very harmful. Uh, The procedure that we were executing uh, is something uh, that other administrations have done. These individuals are screened and vetted and then they are released and then placed into immigration enforcement proceedings. Uh, The Department of Justice is, of course, considering its options with respect to the court's ruling. 
Yeah. But we're ready for different eventualities. You Savannah. know, well, people, I have to say, people at home will hear that. Wait. And even if it's just a subset, a, you know, relatively a small number, you say the border is not open, but there is a subset of people who are being released into this country with no court do- date and no way to track them. I mean, that sounds like the border is open for some. Oh, um, Savannah, the vast majority are being removed. I think if one asked any one of the 1.4 million people who were expelled, removed or returned last year, I don't think they would uh, tell you that the border uh, is open. The administration has enacted a new policy. It's a tough one. It would require migrants to have first attempted asylum in another country before they come to the U.S. This was a policy that the president harshly criticized when he was running against President Trump. I'm going to play some sound here. This is the first president in the history of the United States of America that's anybody seeking asylum has to do it in another country. That's never happened before in America. That's never happened before in America. You come to the United States and you make your case. Then candidate Biden outraged at President Trump for executing a policy he is now enacting. What changed? Did he fail to understand the difficulties here? Um, Savannah, actually, uh, that's not true. Uh, this is not the Trump administration policy by any means. Number one, we have built lawful, safe and orderly pathways for people to use. Number two, if they don't use those pathways, then they will have had to have made a claim for asylum or protection in one of the countries through which they traveled and been denied. And if they don't do either of those things, they don't face a ban like that uh, one that existed in the Trump administration, but they have a higher burden of proof to meet. We have a security obligation and a humanitarian obligation to cut the ruthless smugglers out. We see too much tragedy and trauma, too much death at the hands of smugglers. We are cutting them out. We are building lawful pathways. We are going to deliver consequences for people who don't use those pathways. We have an obligation to disincentivize people uh, from taking the dangerous journey and suffering so much peril. Mr. Secretary, as we've been discussing, this is an incredibly complex situation, and I'm glad you mentioned the human aspect of that because that is key. I, I have to ask you a question. Does the president bear some responsibility for the surge we're seeing right now? I want to play you a piece of something he said during the campaign again uh, back in 2019. Take a listen. All those people are seeking asylum. They deserve to be heard. That's who we are. We're a nation that says if you want to flee and you're fleeing oppression, you should come. Mr. Secretary, they came. They're sitting outside along our border right now. It is cold at night. It is sizzling hot during the day. There is dust. There are children. They came. Did that messaging encourage people to make this crossing? What encourages people to make the crossing is the false information, the lies that the smuggling organizations uh, communicate. That's what makes these people take the dangerous journey. They're deceived into doing so. Let me share with you, though, what is the fundamental point here? The fundamental point is that we need Congress to act. 
the president on day one presented Congress with legislative reform. Our system has been broken for more than two decades. Everyone agrees about that. It's time not to criticize. It's time to act. Fix the system. Give us the resources we need and have requested. Those are the avenues that our legislators need to take. Everybody agrees this is a broken system. Mr. Secretary, difficult times. Thank you for your time this morning for answering the questions. It's much appreciated. Thank you, Savannah. All right. Also this morning, a major development in last week's subway chokehold death here in New York. It sparked widespread protests. The former Marine at the center of the case now facing criminal charges. NBC's Stephanie Gosk is here with the latest. Hey, Steph, good morning. Hey there, Hoda. That 24-year-old veteran, Daniel Penny, surrendered to authorities just this morning. He can be seen in that now infamous video putting a homeless man, Jordan Neely, in a chokehold. Neely's death leading to protest throughout the city over the last week. We want to warn you, the video we're about to show you is disturbing. Ten days after the death of Jordan Neely was captured on video, the Manhattan DA taking action against the man who put him in a chokehold, writing in a statement, we can confirm that Daniel Penny will be arrested on a charge of manslaughter in the second degree. The manslaughter charge carrying a sentence of up to 15 years. Penny, a Marine veteran, put Neely in a chokehold for at least several minutes in an effort to subdue him. One witness says Neely, a homeless subway performer and Michael Jackson impersonator, had been screaming at passengers, saying he was hungry and ready to die when Penny acted. Lawyers for Penny have said he and other passengers on the train were aggressively threatened by Neely. Overnight releasing a statement saying Penny risked his own life and safety for the good of his fellow passengers, adding, we are confident that once all the facts and circumstances surrounding this tragic incident are brought to bear, Mr. Penny will be fully absolved of any wrongdoing. At the time of the incident, Penny was questioned by police and released. But the next day, the medical examiner ruled Neely's death a homicide as a result from compression to his neck, sparking outrage and protest throughout the city. While some are calling Penny's actions vigilantism, others point to the issues of homelessness and mental illness in New York City. Jordan Neely did not deserve to die. And all of us must work together to do more for our brothers and sisters struggling with serious mental illness. Neely, who police say was arrested more than 40 times, was known to be struggling with mental illness since his mother's murder in 2007. Hospitalization is a tactic, it's not a plan. Jordan had been in the hospital. If you place someone in a hospital, when they're released with no continuum of care, it doesn't really help. Today's anticipated arrest, potentially easing tensions in a conflicted city. Mayor Adams plans to bring together leaders of homeless outreach services next week for a summit in improving outcomes for people with serious mental illness. The goal to develop an action plan to ensure homeless accountability and to get those in crisis the help that they need. Jordan Neely will be laid to rest on May 19th. All right, Steph, thank you so much. We appreciate it. We got Craig joining us this Mm -hmm. morning. Got to get our first check of the weather. Mother's Day weekend forecast. I know, and it does look like we are going to see some pretty nice weather for most of the country going into Mother's Day. But we do have a chance of severe storms once again today right through the middle of the country and a flood watch in effect across most of central Texas. Up near uh, Omaha into Nebraska, though, we could see hail up to two inches in diameter. We could also see wind gusts up to 60 miles per hour. You see this hatch mark here. That's where we could see a golf ball to tennis ball size 
pale. Then as we go into tomorrow, same sort of thing. It's still up across Iowa and down into southern Texas, where we could see most of our severe weather. Wind gusts up to 60 miles per hour, large hail, and we can't rule out tornadoes either. We saw several reports of tornadoes yesterday, so that's the same setup today. And that's your latest forecast. All right, Dylan, Thanks, thank Dylan. you very much. Coming up, new developments in the Idaho College murders. The move just made by the suspect ahead of his trial as the University of Idaho prepares to honor the victims at this weekend's graduation ceremony. Steve Patterson is there with the latest. Plus, welcome relief when it comes to the cost of groceries. The popular items are now seeing big tri- price drops. What's behind it and what it all means for summer grilling. But first, this is Today on NBC. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, this is a good one, guys. It's 7.30. We've got some news to get to, including at the University of Idaho, getting set to hold graduation ceremonies tomorrow. The day of celebration coming at the end of a very difficult year. Therefore, community still shaken by the murders of four students last fall. NBC Steve Patterson is right there for us. Hi, Steve. Good morning. Oda, good morning to you. As you can imagine, it's been a very tough year for everyone on campus, especially dealing with trauma and anxiety. Well, this weekend, the university plans to hold a healing moment, especially for all of those students who come to honor uh, the students who lost their lives. On campus, spring is all around, offering a sense of relief as a difficult year comes to a close. But for many, their traditional grad celebrations are tinged with sorrow for the students who lost their lives. We're going to remember those four individuals and remember the legacy they left on and um, just kind of take that and move forward. The university is awarding posthumous degrees and certificates to Kayla Gonzalez, Maddie Mogan, Ethan Chapin and Zana Kernodal, along with another student who lost their life in a car accident. A family friend of Zana's father, Jeff, telling NBC News that Jeff feels honored and hopes the posthumous diploma will inspire other youths to continue their education. They worked hard. They studied hard. They deserve to have that work recognized and honored and remembered for sure. A healing garden and memorial is also being planned. Chapin's parents writing, the University of Idaho continues to amaze us with its unwavering support. The Chapins created a unique scholarship program in his honor, selling tulip bulbs called Ethan Smile to raise money for others. Ethan. He's a, he's a one of a kind. Ethan's fraternity also raising more than $125,000 for scholarships. The other families establishing similar foundations. The murders on November 13th shocked the community and brought national attention to the shared residence on King Road. 
And this is what the house looks like now. The fence line around the property, the windows boarded up after it was given to the university with plans for it to be demolished. Meanwhile, the case against accused killer Brian Koberger is moving closer to trial. A preliminary hearing is scheduled to start June 26th. Koberger was arrested on December 30th at his family home in Pennsylvania. Police department, search warrant, come to the door! Koberger, who has pleaded not guilty, recently hiring a defense attorney certified to defend death penalty cases. The crimes of an accused killer now set to play out in court as students prepare to take their next big steps in life, a walk across the stage, side by side with the memories of their fallen classmates. And Steve, you did mention that the victim's home is set to be demolished. Um, Do you know why that is the case and could it happen before trial? Yeah, Hoda, no strict timeline yet, although the university calls it a healing step to remove the physical structure, which has come to represent so much tragedy in and around campus. There was some talk about it coming down as early as the end of this semester, but there are some questions about that. It wouldn't give the jury the opportunity to walk through the home, especially with how large the crime scene is and with still questions about how the killer both entered and exited that structure. All right. Steve Patterson for us there. Steve, thank you. Another story we're following this morning, a massive recall from popular fitness brand Peloton. Customers being warned to immediately stop using one of its exercise bikes. NBC's Blaine Alexander is on this one for us. Hey, Blaine, good morning. Well, Savannah, good morning to you. This is one of the more than two million recalled bikes. The issue is this piece right here. Now, Peloton says it's an easy fix. They'll mail you another piece free of charge. You can swap it out right at home. But it's yet another obstacle for the popular brand. It's the popular workout bike that filled home after home during the pandemic. But this morning, Peloton is warning riders to pump the brakes, issuing a voluntary recall of more than 2.1 million bikes sold between January 2018 and May 2023. The company says the problem is with this seat post, which can break unexpectedly during a ride. Peloton says it's received 35 complaints of just that, with 13 reported injuries, including lacerations, bruises, and a fractured wrist. If people have one of these bikes, what should they do? Stop using it right away. You don't want this to happen to you. It happened to Daniel Rush. He says he was halfway through a five-minute cool-down ride. The seat basically just gave way and I fell to the ground. The fall damaged his wall and his shoulder. There was no sign on the bike that something was wrong. It was just one minute you're sitting on the bike, next minute you're sitting on the floor. It's the latest patch of rough road for the already embattled brand, now issuing its fourth recall in three years. The company also took a hit following the bike's controversial product placement in the Sex and the City reboot, with popular character Mr. Big suffering a heart attack after a workout. And just like that, Big died. At the time, Peloton said it agreed to the bike being used without realizing a character was going to die. Once a pandemic staple, last year the company said it was resetting production levels due to reduced demand. Now, guys, if you've got a bike at home and you're wondering if yours is part of the recall, Peloton says this is what you can look for. Look for this red label and the white lettering. That's one of the ways that you can tell that your bike is impacted. The company, Savannah, estimates that it'll cost about $8.4 million across the board to fix. Savannah. All right. And would you just contact them and they send you a new seat? How does it work? 
You go online, there's a link, you can order that piece. It's free. They'll mail it to you in a few days, and then you swap it out at home with your own tools. All right. Thank you, Blaine. Coming up, guys, we got an amazing story ahead of Mother's Day. Identical triplets following in their mom's footsteps, delivering babies, and joining her to create one of the most unique doctor's offices in the country. Can't wait for you guys to meet these remarkable women. First, though, Sam Brock is going grocery shopping for us this morning. And he's found some good news, folks, on those high food prices. Hey, Sam. Yeah, Craig, good morning. Also ahead of Mother's Day, for the first time in years, grocery prices are going down. Hamburgers, hot dogs, chicken, sausage. Where are the savings ahead of the holiday? That story coming up right after this. Hi, everyone. I'm Jenna Bush Hager from Today with Hoda and Jenna and the Read with Jenna Book Club. There's nothing I love more than sharing my favorite reads with all of you, except maybe talking to the exceptional authors behind these stories. And that's what I'll be doing on my podcast, Read with Jenna. I'll be introducing you to some of my favorite writers. These conversations will leave you feeling inspired and entertained. To start listening, just search Read with Jenna wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, parents, homeschoolers, and teachers. Trusty narrator here from the Who Sparted podcast. Our 15-minute episodes are perfect for car rides, bedtime, break time, class time, or any time. We make learning science and history fun and funny for 7 to 11-year-olds with new episodes every week. Look for Who Smarted on any podcast platform or at whosmarted.com. And teachers get a free subscription to our ad-free version by clicking educators at whosmarted.com. Back at 741 with In-Depth Today and encouraging news as we head into summertime. For more than a year, we've been telling you about, and mm-hmm. we didn't even have to tell you, you already yeah. knew, the sky-high cost of food. But just in time for grilling <laughs> season, shoppers are finally seeing some relief at the grocery mm-hmm. store. We love good news, Sam Brock. Sam's down in South Florida with details. Hey, buddy. Hey, Craig, Savannah, Hoda, good morning. Let's start with the best news right now. Hot dogs and bacon are both down. That's a win ahead of the holidays, no doubt. But as we look at the situation month to month, in March and April, for the first time, guys, in years, grocery prices actually came down. Now, this has been a cringeworthy process for a lot of shoppers for so long, coming to the self-checkout center. And here you have sausages going down, chicken down a little bit. We mentioned the bacon. Meat is actually up, just a, a tad hamburger meat and whatnot, green meat. Uh, but the good news on all of this is that sizzling inflation finally appears to finally be cooling. For families who have watched grocery bills take an oversized bite out of their budgets. Five, oh, nine. Like Chris Roberts and his three kids, the last two years have been tough to swallow. We used to spend $30 $30 a day and now it's closer to 60. But months of double-digit food increases appear to finally be easing. So even not going up anymore, even just stable, does that make a difference? Absolutely. Give some hope. The Bureau of Labor Statistics shows food at home prices fell modestly month to month in March and April, the first time the benchmark has actually come down since September 2020. In South Florida, some parents trying to capitalize ahead of the Mother's Day and Memorial Day holidays. With so many eyeing savings, here are some items in your cart that now cost less. Eggs have cracked their pricing surge, falling 1.5% after a nearly 11% drop the month before. Milk prices are down 2%, the biggest decrease in more than eight years. And fruits and veggies dipped 0.5%. Thinking about firing up the grill? 
Barbecue staples like hot dogs are 2.9% cheaper, but ground beef for burgers and chicken are slightly more expensive. Certain areas, certain commodities are still strong. Certain have uh, weakened, such as poultry and pork. Uh, Owner John Alfano at Doris's Italian Market in Sunrise, Florida, walking us through your best deals. You mentioned chicken and poultry. Yes. Better value here? Definitely. Compared to beef, uh, poultry is much more reasonable right now. Uh, chicken wings are, are probably the, the best bet right now price-wise in the poultry market and great for grilling. As for key tips to save even more, consider buying the store brand when Dixie says its private label can be around 20% cheaper and look ahead of time online at what deal stores are doling out, so like Brianna Williams did. If I had a taste for something, but next week it's going to go on sale, I'll wait and buy it when it's buy one, get one free. All right, so Sam, some good news here. I mean, could we continue to see these food prices go down? So no doubt, Craig, trends right now are moving in the right direction. This is month to month, though. That is what's dipped. If you look at grocery prices year over year, where were we 12 months ago? It's still 7.1% more expensive for groceries. A lot of families are thinking it's still elevated from the pandemic. That is true. But look back to August of 2022 when it was a 13.5% increase year over year. So that is, again, a better direction that we're going. Some of the underlying issues that caused those food spikes in the first place, though, labor issues, supply chain issues, they're still there. But fuel has come down more than 12%. One of the driving reasons right now why we're looking at a slightly more digestible tab for families ahead of the holidays. Craig? Indeed. All right, Sam Brockforce there. Sam, thank you. All right, let's go over to Dale and find out what's happening in the weather. Well, we are uh, watching a pretty significant uh, system that's going to move through Texas. We saw a lot of rain yesterday, and we're going to see more rain today. Now, the the soil in Texas is very rich in clay, so it doesn't absorb a lot of water. We also have a lot of terrain uh, and different elevations, so that creates some runoff. So with all this heavy rain expected out ahead of this system, we are looking at the potential for some flooding. I mean, we could see as much as seven, eight, nine. 10 inches of rain in some areas because this storm is not moving very quickly to the east. And then once it does, more moisture reinforces it uh, coming in from the south. So we are going to see this threat of flash flooding, especially down across central and southern Texas, including San Antonio into Del Rio. We could see rainfall rates of about two to three inches of rain per hour. So that's going to be the biggest concern, again, with as much as six to 10 inches of rain possible, even some isolated higher amounts in that ground that's already pretty saturated. And again, as I mentioned, doesn't absorb a whole lot of water in the first place. Now, we're also looking at a chance of some severe storms today, especially across the Midwest, moving through the plain states where we could see large hail, damaging winds, and we can't rule out tornadoes either. And that's your latest forecast. All right, Dylan, thank you. All right, well, just ahead, we're going to take you inside Country Music's Party of the Year, the ACM Awards. It's all coming up after these messages. Awesome. Yeah. 